This is Scratch Your Own Itch, the one show that delivers the conversations that we're afraid to share, but need to. This show is all about creating a life worth living. I'm Logan Tyler Nelson, and I'm your host. So you're going to hear conversations with creators and entrepreneurs talk about what they do, their current and past traumas, how they became who they are, and what they are truly curious about. This is the show where we talk about the things we think about a lot, but need to talk about more. Please take note that this show is not a substitute for actually creating a life worth living, because this show will stir your beliefs, make you question what it means to create a life worth living. So my promise to you is to always give you one question to answer for yourself today, to start turning your dreams into a reality. Hey friends, before I get into this episode with Amy and myself, I just want to read off this awesome review that I got from It's Just Me, Ty. He says, amazing podcast. Out of all the podcasts I've listened to, let me re-say that again, (laughs) amazing podcast. Out of all the podcasts I've listened to, Logan's Scratch Your Own Itch is among the best whether he's just speaking on his own truth or with the aid of a great guest, Logan creates a great thought-provoking atmosphere that is perfect for any podcast listener. Great people make great podcasts, as witnessed here. Keep it up, Logan. Gosh, that fills me up so much. Um, Thank you so much. I just want to remind you guys that I'm listening, and if you leave a review, I'd love to read it off. Um, it just helps this podcast uh, become a little bit more searchable. So the more you review, the better I can be found and the more stories I can share. The the, the curiosity questions and uh, the curiosity question that I have for you today is, uh, have you ever been afraid about being a has-been? Uh, that's really what Amy O. Stryker and I talk about today, that, that deep, scary thing of 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 really having this huge idea inside your head and then not becoming that thing whether it's a great writer or you know an actress or an actor or maybe a podcaster it's it's scary to be a has been and so if if you have this inkling of being scared of being a has been i want to invite you to email me logan at logantylernelson.com and I would love to send you a free PDF about 12 questions that you can ask yourself to really find your area of supremacy, uh, which is your expertise and to just ask these questions alone and to kind of reflect on them every single day helps so much. It's changed my life. Absolutely. And I can honestly say that it's changed my life. And um, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and enjoy this interview with Amy Ostriker and I.
Hey, you. So, my curiosity question is, have you ever been scared of just being a has-been? Someone who has the idea of being on Broadway or writing the next selling or the next best-selling book or or maybe just creating that one thing that you care about and you put it out there into the world because you put so many hours into it and you hope that this skill actually takes blossom, but it never does. Well, I want to let you know that you're not alone. The mission of this show is to make you feel less alone, but even more so to ask that one question in order to continue to scratch your own itch and create a life worth living. My guest today has had these same thoughts of being a has-been, and she's had to go through a ton to actually start doing what she was meant to do on this planet. Her name is Amy Ostriker, and Amy is a normal teenage theater nerd until the day her stomach exploded. Amy Ostriker is a PTSD peer-to-peer specialist, artist, author, writer for the Huffington Post, speaker for TEDx. She's a health advocate, survivor, award-winning actress, and playwright, eagerly sharing the lessons learned from trauma and has brought out the stories that unite us all. She's toured theaters across the country, earning accolades since its Broadway World Award-nominated NYC debut. As a visual artist, her works have been featured in esteemed solo exhibitions, and her mixed-media workshops emphasize creativity as an essential mindset. Gosh, reading her bio just scratches the surface of who she really is. So I'd love for you to meet someone who has one of the most colorful, colorful stories I've ever heard and seriously, one of the best TEDx talks I've ever watched. Amy Ostriker, thank you so much for coming on Scratch Your Own Itch. Wow, thank you very much. That was a very nice intro. I, I, I'd like to think of my story as colorful, so, so thank you for that. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, my God. Are you joking? Like, um, yeah, from the isolation to, yeah, I just want you to tell your story because the mission of the show is to really make people feel less alone and, and give people the tools to, you know, start to live a life where they start scratching their own itch by asking themselves those quality questions in order to live a quality life. That gives them free, right. you know, gives them like a, a little bit of freedom and also, honestly, uh, gives them insight to making some money in something that they love doing. And uh, and that's important too. <laughs> it, it really is. So um, I'd love to kind of let uh, you share that story and make someone feel less alone by sharing the story in which you were challenged, but also, uh, ultimately changed forever. Right. Well, you know, I think creativity is always a great way to have us feel less alone. Um, it can open so many doors um, first internally and then you know, eventually to the practical aspect of life where we, we do, you know, need to make a living and money. But we also want it to be something that we're passionate about and expresses who we are. Um, and creativity has definitely opened endless doors for me. Um, it did as a kid. Um, that was how I kind of created my own life and 
felt proud doing my own thing as a kid. Um, and that's also what really made me passionate about doing musical theater um, and, you know, writing my own plays in my head and just, you know, having you having fun as a kid. Um, and then it, it, it definitely unexpectedly prepared me um, for what um, came ahead, um, you know, my senior year of high school. What started with a very bad stomach ache um, ended up in being rushed to the emergency room, um, which doctors later discovered was um, due to a blood clot. Um, and for someone that had never been really in hospitals or you know, dealt with severe illness, you know, surgeons uh, cut me open. And my stomach just literally exploded to the top of the emergency room because there was so much pressure you do to this blood clot that no one saw um, lurking there. I just, all I remember, and this is my senior year of high school, um, I just remember being in intense pain. Um, and no one knew why this had happened. Um, you know, years later, when I started, you know, becoming very um, interested in post-traumatic stress disorder and the relationship between the body and mind, you know, I realized that, you know, part of what could have caused this was, you know, I was also um, sexually assaulted by my voice teacher for two years um, before that. And, you know, on a side note, I'm so glad that so many of these stories um, in the media are being brought to life um, because there is, for me, there's always been a, a clear connection between, you know, the the stress of, of keeping the secret and, you know, the undeserved, you know, shame and, and guilt um, really manifesting in, in something that, you know, manifest in, you know, chronic pain or stress or just um, something that really does trouble the body. Um, but anyway, um, I woke up from my coma months later, um, having no idea what had happened and dealing with a whole new reality of the surgical ICU, um, not really knowing what I was doing until doctors alerted me very kindly that, you know, I didn't have a stomach anymore. And they also, since I had no digestive system, they also didn't know if I'd ever get one back. So that meant that I couldn't eat or drink anything by mouth. Um, I was hooked up to IVs and they didn't know if that would ever happen again. Um, and of course, the first thing I asked was, well, will it, you know, and when will it happen? And, you, you know, doctors who you're supposed to trust as, you know, the authority that knows all the answers, you know, it was the most traumatizing thing, um, remembering, the, remembering them shaking their head and just saying, you know, I, I don't know. Um, and no one knew, not even my wonderful family who really literally camped out in the surgical ICU with me. Um, for the many months I was in the hospital. Um, it turned out to be six years that I couldn't eat or drink anything, um, mostly because we really had to find, 
a team of surgeons that knew what to do um, that could kind of create a plan to make a digestive system for me. Um, and that took uh, well, 27 surgeries later. I'm still here. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of ups and downs, and I could go through every little bit of it. But I think the point is that because I had always been so centered in creativity as a child, you know, when I woke up from the coma, you know, and woke up in this new world, you know, I had no idea what what had happened. You know, I was wondering why I wasn't talking about, like, which musical theater college I had applied to and, you know, where I was going. So I think I was just very determined to not, like, be this patient that everyone was identifying me as. And it just made me, you know, want to, you know, go back into theater and creating even more. So I think that just filled me with a determination that, like, whatever this is right now, I got it document this. I got to make something of it. Um, so I, I started, you know, even in the hospital. And then um, when I came home and I couldn't eat or drink, I would just, you know, glue myself to my laptop and just write stories and stories. Of, and just to, just to document what I was doing. Um, you know, as soon as you know, I could, I started to sing um, and, you know, it's amazing how, for me, initially it was like an act of defiance, but it also, you know, brought me back in touch with really who I was, that I wasn't just a patient, that, you know, I was still under there. And that creativity, you know, expanded into visual art um, for another surgery that didn't go right. Um <laughs> And, um, you know, all I had was art supplies that my mom would bring me. And I was never really a visual artist, but I ended up just like throwing things on the canvas just because I had all this anger and frustration and I needed to get it out somewhere. And it's amazing, you know, being locked in that hospital for so long. I created like 70 mixed media paintings. Um, and so, you know, creativity just became my voice. Um, and when I, you know, finally recovered from everything, you know, all that creative work I had done, you know, really branched into new pathways. Um, I ended up writing a one woman musical that I'm still touring about, you know, everything that I went through, but more importantly, the lessons that we can all learn um, from unexpected, you know, detours in life. Um, you know, my artwork I'm still doing. And I think the greatest gift is that I've had no real art training. So, you know, the painting from the heart has just been a skill that, you know, I've still taken with me. And, um, you know, creativity continues to provide, you know, a roadmap uh, where, you know, I don't think any of us have a roadmap in life. <laughs> so I think being an artist is just the best survival skill any of us can have. Yeah, I agree. Oh my God, there is so much to unpack there. Uh, 
Thank you so much. <laughs> I know it's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, and oh my god, like just every wave of trial and 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 error, and then also learning from it, and then not only learning from it by you know reading someone else's story, but by sharing your story. I, I mean, typing away. What do you what do you think you looked up? What kind of inspiration? Like who? who who is inspiring you during this time to continue to go? Like, who is that hero in your in your world during that time? Well, I had always read stories, and you know, as a you know, theater lover, you know, I had all those stories to resource. And you know, in the hospital, believe me, there was plenty of TV on and daytime talk shows where you could hear people's inspirational stories but it's still funny because you know for anyone you you're really you're never ready to change you know until you yourself you know, make the decision you know no one can change you no story can change you um and I think when I was really ready to you know, embody those stories and um kind of use them as inspiration you know all the you know comeback stories and the heroic journeys um, is when, you know, I talk about this in one of my TED Talks when I discovered um, Joseph Campbell um, and the archetypal hero's journey. Um, it was from a book of mythology that I just happened to buy in, like, the bargain book section of, of the bookstore, and I was really taken by how all of these heroic journeys seem to have, like, a very similar through line of, you know, you know, being lost in darkness and terrible battles and, and coming out triumphant. And that pattern really made me curious about, okay, well, when's that going to happen for me? And then I happened to learn about Joseph Campbell, who kind of classified this as, you know, seven, you know, 12 stages of an archetypal hero's journey. And by learning that journey, it really empowered me with, wow, like, you know, doctors can't come up with like a real clear ending for me, but this hero's journey seems to have everything very spelled out. <laughs> so again, using that creative uh, skill, I was able to kind of create my own hero's journey. And even if I didn't know exactly how the ending was going to go, um, you know, I, I could kind of fabricate how you know I wanted my ending to go and it was okay because many people had done that before you know through writing their hero's journey and you know it's amazing that you know even though I had no you know confirmation of you know how my story would end by just creating different endings and imagining these fantasy worlds for myself um, and writing these like kind of mythological stories for me to follow, it, it filled me with hope. Um, that's all it did. And I think that was good enough. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, I want to say one of the things that we have in common is we're both theater nerds. Uh, I, I went to school for acting and I graduated with a degree from NIU with a, a degree in acting. And Nice. And yeah, I uh, used to read this quote to myself every day. We must let go of the life we have planned. So as oh, to yes. accept the one that 
we have waiting for us, which you know of. I love it. All that. Um, Man man plans, God laughs, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know. (laughs) Exactly. And um, so I I just touch base on it because you're so right that when we're in the – traumatic areas it's i think it's like stories and having someone actually take time to document what trauma they're going through um is really 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 hard to do but it's so 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 valuable for anybody to do so i want to ask you though um so sort of like more pivot uh how are you taking your story uh, this story that you've gone through and uh, putting it out in the world? Like, how are you marketing it? How are you, um, are you just uh, using your social medias as much as possible? Or do you have a team behind you? How are you using that? Um, yeah. Oh, no, no team at all. <laughs> no no team. team. Um, but no, it's, um, you know, I wish there was an easy answer, but um, it really took, um, a lot of work and more importantly, a lot of focus, you know, I had to tell myself, well, it wasn't really such a hard job to tell myself. I mean, I was so motivated, you know, mostly because I had lived so many years without food and drink in total isolation. And I knew that theater was my way of rejoining the world. And so I just told myself, you know, I have to do nothing but you know, get this story out there. So, you know, first, before any, obvious, obviously before any promotion, you know, I just spent two years, you know, creating um, Gutless and Grateful, which was, which is the one woman musical about my life that I'm still touring. And that was, it opened in New York, uh, October, 2012. And, you know, I'm taking it to Washington, D.C. next week. So it's, it's been a while. Um, and you know, when I first premiered it, you know, I sent out hundreds and hundreds of letters that I, you know, and emails to people, um, and snail mail, um, you know, that took so much time that I would personally, you know, I sent so many that people thought it was like through like a mailing list that I didn't even know what it, that was at that point. But I personally looked up, you know, people that I wanted, you know, to get to the show and, you know, for months, I just heard complete radio silence. But, you know, the first email I got back saying, oh, wow, sounds intriguing. You know, I'd love to go. You know, that gives you like a high that's like, okay, maybe the next email, I'll get a response. And, um, you know, it took a lot of work. You know, no one knew my story. No one knew about the show. I didn't know about the show. I hadn't even done it, you know, for the public yet. Um, but it took kind of that fearless, you know, you got to take a risk and put yourself out there. Um, and you know, the, the opening at the triad theater in New York was really a success. Um, and it was the real first big thing I had done, you know, in this new life. Um, and that definitely filled me with the motivation to think creatively I think thinking creatively is not accepting like, you know, status quo, like, okay, I I did this. How can I, you know, change this and um, really see, you know, what the world needs right now? And I think, 
you know, that eventually led to, you know, examining what I had been through um, and seeing that there were like mental health issues and sexual assault issues in my story and also that, you know, the public was dealing with. And that's how I ended up, you know, touring it to colleges and giving talkbacks on resilience and creativity, um, sexual assault, disability. Um, so you really have to think about not only what do I need, like, oh, I need to get my story out there, but also like what what the audience really needs to to hear that they can take on their own hero's journey. So, you know, it, it, it takes work. I guess you can hire a team, but I guess I never thought to do that. <laughs> No, uh, I really want to stress the the importance of what you just said, though. The um, what do I just need, but more so, what does the world really need right now? And that's one of the quality questions mm-hmm. that you know leads to a quality life and creating a, a life worth living is is that idea, and not just idea specifically to what the world needs, but find your group, your audience. Uh, how did you find? I know you said you you did snail mail. Was there any tricks that you used to find your group of people, your the niche people that you really wanted to help? Well, at first, you know, I joined the you know Manhattan Association of Cabaret, and you know, they I got their mailing list, and you know, I sent out postcards to friends and family. Um, you know, Facebook was invented while I was in a coma, so like I was pretty late to catch on to that. Um, but, um, but yeah, lots and lots of mailings, um, until finally got a website and I could send people lots and lots of emails, um, personally. And, um, yeah, you know, again, you know, I'm used to the idea that there is no set roadmap for, for everyone. So, you know, I've done a lot of hard work, you know, manually. Uh, I'm sure there are easier ways, but, you know, I've also learned a lot through that about what works and what doesn't. <laughs> and that's so, that's so critical is that you learned uh, through direct application of trying and failing, seeing what works and uh, pivoting and, and as right. Uh, and you have to fail, right? Yeah. Oh my God. It's so, it's, it's part of the process that's so hard to do and to keep going. And, mm-hmm. um, but that's the reason why I bring, I bring it up. I bring up marketing only because that all ties back to being, uh, worried about being a has been to create this thing to work so hard on this one thing, this project, or maybe in your case, a play or, maybe becoming an actor and then just not having anything happen, just hearing crickets. And it's so important to get right. the word out there mm-hmm. um, and to share. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So is there one habit though, that you think uh, you kind of adopted in order to really, really energize yourself to always create because it can get really tiring just sitting there and creating, you know, all day. I just want to be kind of, Kind of like you know, real with real with people. It it does get exhausting just mm-hmm. creating all the time. Well, you know, it should come organically. So that means there are times that you're not going to feel like it. And I think I realized, especially through this, you know, I created so much too. You know, not like for inspirational reasons, but like 
just to distract myself, you know, through all the surgeries and, you know, the ups and downs and not eating and drinking, you know, it also became like a coping skill. And eventually, you know, when I, you know, recovered from everything, I had to learn how to, you know, take breaks, which was equally as hard. And I think as an artist, you know, we can all get into overdrive and you have to remember to kind of pause and and take time to stop producing and also receiving inspiration, you know, just like take a nature walk, read a book, you know, because otherwise, you know, we start, you know, getting repetitive or burnt out or, you know, and that's not good for anyone, uh, especially an artist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so true. That's the only reason why I bring it up is just... Um, if you're feeling like you're trying to create and you're exhausted, you're not alone in that thought. Uh Um, and then just as really is like you were saying, the rest thing, um, is, is so it's so imperative, but anybody that's been addicted to creation, taking a rest, it does feel like you're dying inside. And it also feels like, Uh doesn't it? I mean, it's like this, but it can also be like what, surprisingly refreshing yeah yeah and give you new ideas and and also a new perspective on something and actually end up uh right and yeah new roadmaps (laughs) exactly um so i'd love to get into what i call a curiosity questions scratching the surface curiosity questions where it's just um okay a, a few questions that uh First thing comes to mind, and, and some are a little bit deeper. I will, I will preface with that. Some are a little deeper, and so if you take your time, no worries. Um, there's about we got like ten more minutes, if that's okay with you. Sure. Awesome. So the first question I like to ask is, um, what's that one thought that keeps going through your head that you just kind of wish you didn't have anymore? Um. I should be doing something. I should be doing something. <laughs> right? Okay. I love that. <laughs> um, what's a uh, belief that you had if I asked you 10 years ago about yourself, about uh, the way you thought your future is going to be, something like that? What is a belief that you had that now if you thought about that same belief, you'd go, I was totally wrong? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go to college, study musical theater, and then be on Broadway right away. <laughs> I love that. Just because everyone that's ever been a uh, 15-year-old, uh, bro- uh, I guess, theater nerd or anything, that's exactly what you think you're going to do. And and when it doesn't happen, yep. <laughs> it's really scary um, when it doesn't happen. So anyways, it's happening for yep. you, <laughs> You're doing stuff, so keep it up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the next question I'd love to ask is, uh, if you got to take anybody, living or dead, and be them for an entire month, who would it be and why? Oh, wow. Uh, an entire month. Um, well, if we're talking theater, um, how about... Stephanie Block. I think she's such a powerhouse. Um, and she's done really you know, amazing work. Um, you know, I know she had a solo show for a while where I heard she told amazing stories. And um, 
I just, I love her. <laughs> Ever since I saw her on Broadway in Boys from Oz, and I know she's done so much since then. <laughs> I gotta check her out. Honestly, I have no idea who you're talking about, and I feel like a bad Broadway. Stephanie Block, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I'm in New York, so, you know, around that area. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll check her out. Yeah. What is, um... What is a quote or a mantra that you've been living by lately? Oh, my God. So many lately. Um, <laughs> you know, because I've, I've had a few ups and downs very recently. You know, I was hit by a car and broke my legs oh my and, uh, you know, had to get through that. And then I had a divorce last year. So, so lots of ups and downs. Um, but, um, I think the one that has really helped me the most is, um, uh, probably, oh God, the, the one I was used to use as a kid, um, breathe in, po or breathe in inspiration, breathe out poetry. And it's just reminded me that, you know, I have to, you know, take a pause and, and breathe. I think that's the most important thing that, you know, I'm a thinker, so I always end up telling myself, like, what should I be doing now? What should I be doing now? Or this isn't how I wanted my life to go. And then sometimes I just have to stop, like, take a breath and, you know, whatever the next step will come, you know, as long as I breathe and just wait for it. <laughs> that is so, so, so vital for that one person who needs to hear that right now. That is... uh it's mm -hmm. trying so hard to start a business or get out there, or get get famous or write the next right. masterpiece that just like breathing and just taking the time. That was like one of the first things that I learned at acting school was just that our breath. And listening. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. We could, you know, Amy, I, uh, I invite you onto the show again and we'll do an entire episode on just listening alone and how important yeah. it is. <laughs> um, listening to mm -hmm. ourselves, listening to the uh, atmosphere, to the people around us all that um that's awesome yep <laughs> uh, uh, god i could talk to you for 14 years i know it uh anyways <laughs> the next thing i would love to ask is uh what what do you think was a book that really allowed you to have this sort of like growth mindset that i call um rather than like a devolving yeah. sort of mindset or destructive mindset well, a book, you know, since I definitely dealt with um, post-traumatic stress disorder, but, you know, I, I would recommend this for anyone is um, by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. I always recommend this. Um, the Body Keeps the Score. I mean, even if you don't read that book, just remember that title because it's, it's so true. You know, we th sometimes we think we can think ourselves out of any situation. Um, but really, you know, what we hold back and what we don't acknowledge, you know, you know, comes off in you know, our bodies and our, at the end of the day, our bodies are all we have. And it's, there's actually a wonderful chapter about how theater is so wonderful, you know, and these collective, uh, community things like dance and singing and all that, you know, to really create empathy in society and all help us kind of heal through our own things so you know it's a it's a big book um and it, it for me it was just such a 
a turnaround book. <laughs> that is so cool. What's it called again? Body Keeps the Score Body by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. Oh, I uh, admittedly have never read that, but I will admittedly say that I'm addicted to exercise um, because of <laughs> of that. It just because it, it gives you such good energy for creation and sort of it's like, I think. I agree. <laughs> you got to move. Otherwise, you'll kind of lose because your mm-hmm. body's not energized to actually uh, think the great thoughts that you have on your mind um, in order to create. Completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. So, all right. I'll just ask uh, one more question because I, I I love to also get you in a plug and tell everyone that's listening right now what you're working on. But the last thing is sort of a, a fill in the blank sort of question. Um, sure. So, if that one person that you really want to talk to right now uh started okay. to do xyz like they started to do something the craziest thing would happen to them today what would it be if if someone i was talking to say that one more time i got to practice that yeah so <laughs> i just want you to think of one person that you really wish you could help right now maybe you have no access to them but you know you could help them by telling them this one thing what would it be? Mm-hmm. You know, this is as cliche as they come, but one foot in front of the other, one day at a time. I mean, I realize that's cliche because it's true. And and it's the hardest thing for me to follow, too, because I always want to think ahead. But it's really, you know, I think we appreciate the phrase, be in the moment in different capacities at different stages of our lives. Um, but you know, there's a reason that's kind of stuck around. Um, but the truth is we don't know what ha- will happen the next hour. We don't know what will happen, uh, tomorrow unless we're there to be in the here and now, you know, in order to make a new start. Um, otherwise life will kind of just happen to us instead of you know, us making our own lives. So I think it's very important as much as I always want to roll my eyes at, you know, be in the moment. You know, there's a reason why that's kind of a persistent thing in self-help and all that kind of stuff, because it's really uh, how we put one foot in front of the other and and keep going. Wow. Oh, I love that so much because I'm currently in the book writing process right now, knowing that it might take two years to actually get out of book, but knowing that I just... I often want to skip steps and that is just, I think the thing that uh, really can hurt us and to stay in the moment and just go, okay, focus on this one thing for now. Like just do this for right. 20 minutes. That's all you got to get to maybe five minutes, even if it's that hard. It's true. So, mm-hmm. uh, but Hey, uh, if you guys have heard anything that uh, Amy or I said that really spoke to you, I'd love for you to Instagram, Facebook, tweet about it. Just get in connection with us somehow and put it out of the world because documenting it, I tell you, is what is what creation's all about. It's not being able to just make it out of a vacuum, but to you know, create it from someone that you look right. up to. <laughs> and um, I created this show just because I want people to not just hear these interviews that I have as, as just like, you know, people that accept or adopt them as, as heroes and never actually talk to them. I want them to become friends with you. 
So Amy, if someone wanted to become a real friend of yours, how can they get connected with you? Um, well, definitely check out my website, um, com. Um, there's plenty of ways to get in touch with me. I blog all the time about what I'm doing and I have a bunch of creativity resources and your know, little ebook on, you know, creation, another ebook on how I got a TED talk and, um, we, you know, you can try to get one as well. Um, I'm also on social media, um, you know, Twitter and Facebook, Instagram. I'm always showing my art. Um, so definitely tweet me and, you know, let me know uh, what you think um, uh, or any creativity questions. Um, if you watch uh, my first TED Talk, it's about being a detourist. Um, and I actually have a section on my site where you can share your detour story and how you're a detourist. And there are tons of stories up there of people um, from all different walks of life all over the world um, who have been through something unexpected. It doesn't have to be a major trauma. You could be just any little glitch or, you know, hitch you didn't expect. And um, it's a wonderful community. So, um, you know, definitely check it out. And I can give you those links, too, if you want to share them with us. <laughs> that would be incredible. Thank you, Amy O'Striker, for coming on Scratch. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'll talk to you till next time. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. All right, there's another episode of Amy O'Striker and I. Oh my God, what a story, right? Uh, she has been through it all. And she is one creative that I think is someone who just takes their trauma and transpires it into greatness. And it's the story of, uh, you know, the hero's journey. Someone going through something really, really scarring and turning it into something really, really inspiring. And I know this show is not about just inspiring, so I want you to ask yourself again, are you afraid about being a has-been? And if you are and you have no support team, I invite you to join my Facebook group, Scratch Your Own Itch, Creating a Life Worth Living. Also emailing me, logan at logantylernelson.com. Again, that's logan at logantylernelson.com, and I will send you a free PDF of finding an area of supremacy so you know exactly how you can start scratching your own itch. And don't ever forget, you matter and you're enough. And also, if you found this episode at all informative or worthy of sharing to help someone feel a little less alone, please, please share it with that person that needs it to be shared because that's the best compliment you could ever send to me. So... With that all being said, you matter and you're enough.